Hi, I'm Dan for Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers, here to share the easiest way to buy tires. Come to Dobbs. With the best tire brands and the biggest inventory, you'll get your tires the same day at the lowest price, guaranteed. Next time you need tires, get into Dobbs. The Danny Mac Show with BK. Podcast powered by I Promise. Now, here's Danny Mac with BK. Tuesday edition of the show. Welcome into the Danny Mac Show. I'm Dan McLaughlin, Brandon Kylie, Tanner here, and we have you until 11 o'clock, and then it's BK and Ferrario coming up. We'll visit with Cardinal, well, what do you call him? Second baseman, outfielder, leadoff man for sure. Stud. Yeah, he's, he's had a hell of a year so far, and that's Tommy Edmond. Cooled off a little bit here recently, but we get the chance to visit, hopefully, with Tommy Edmond coming up. Great ball game last night. If you love pitching, you had pitching with... Uh, both sides. Zach Wheeler was fantastic. Man, is he good. When he's right, he is really good. Something like 24 or 25 games now in a row he's gone without giving up more than four runs. And then Adam Wainwright gave you a complete game. It's a loss. It's 2-1 the final. Cardinals tried to come back off of Neris late. Came up just a bit short. I thought Arenado got it, maybe, but a little bit off the end of the bat. Sent it to deep into left center. The catch was made, and the game was over. But a lot of things to talk about. Let's start with Adam Wainwright. Nine innings, six hits, two earned, no walks, eight strikeouts. Wheeler went eight innings, one hit, three walks, nine strikeouts. It was back and forth. Cardinals didn't get their first hit until about midway through. Clean single, Paul DeYoung. But if you love pitching, man, that was the place to be last night. It was awesome. It was a throwback. We've talked about this before, Dan. And I think that something baseball's missing right now is a lot of these starting pitcher matchups that you care about. That you go into the game, you're like, I know I'm going to get depth out of these two guys. And it's going to be two hours of me watching mano y mano. And that's what we got last night. And it was a hell of a lot of fun. Styles make fights. Stylistically, I'm not sure you're going to see a matchup throughout the course of the season that's a heck of a lot different than what we saw last night. Adam Wainwright after his nine innings. I'm old, you know, old school too. So uh, pitching five or six innings is not getting the job done, in my opinion. You're pitching minimum seven is is a pitcher's, a starting pitcher's job, is my opinion. You know, six innings is... Yeah, I'm not I'm not going home overly excited about a six inning performance. When I walk off the field after pitching nine, I, I feel like I did my job. You know, I'm, I'm here as starting pitcher, but the best starting pitchers are also closers. So um, that's what that's what I always think about. Well, 39 year old, the oldest player in the National League pitching the way he is seven innings previous 10 strikeouts last night, nine innings, eight strikeouts. Mike Schilt. Put him back out there for the ninth. I love the move. I think it was the right move. I know you don't agree with that, but it to me, this is what you're supposed to do. We always talk about, why aren't these guys going deep? How come they don't go deep? The analytics say this, and he said, the hell with the analytics. Huh. I'm going with my guy. Coming off an eight-pitch, or so, excuse me, seven-pitch eighth inning. Now, you did have the top of the lineup coming up, but you're in the midst of 17 games in a row. And if you don't think this sends a message of what you're supposed to do, you're out of your mind. This sends a message to every single guy in that rotation. This is what a bulldog, this is what the leader of a staff does. I loved it. Absolutely loved it. I think it was the right move. Yeah, I didn't. Um, I, I disagreed with the decision. I would not have sent him back out there for the ninth. He got hit really hard in the seventh when the top of the order was out there. That happens. He got hit hard in a couple other innings, too. 
Yeah, uh, he, it was a homer, though, for Hoskins, and that ended up what do you, what do you want him to do? Where do you want him to go? To the bullpen. I would have Okay, gone you're with... in the midst of 17 games. Reyes is 4-6. of six. Jordan Hicks can't throw strikes right now, and you're in a one-run game. Okay, so you got to go Gallegos? You're going to go Gallegos Cabrero? Gallegos and Webb both up in the previous inning, and I, I no, would have gone to— you, you st- you, this guy, he's showing you how to do this. Go, man. Let's go. Let him go nine innings. I, I hear you. But the result is the result, and it's going to be really difficult in the ninth inning to be able to scratch across runs. They knew that because they had seen what Wheeler Not was doing. Not if you get to their day. bullpen. Still was, even then. Um, and if you're going to scratch across a run, it's likely to be one, not multiple. You ended up giving well, up the let, run. Let's just look at the big picture. Aren't we asking guys to go deeper into games? You're Aren't we asking eight innings? I don't care. Let's go nine. What's wrong with nine? Nothing's wrong with going nine, but it gives you less of an opportunity to win the game. By I him totally, going... I, he was your best option to win that game. Okay. In I, my I, opinion, he's your best option to win that game. Your bullpen at times has been hit and miss. You know what you're going to get out of Wayno. Now he gave up a home run. I get it, but I'll live I, with that. I didn't know what I was getting out of him the fourth time through the order at the top of the ninth inning when he had already thrown 100 pitches. I'm good with it. I, I, it is what it is. Let I me ask you this. What, what do you think the message is that he sends to the rest of the guys? What do you think when, when you're Daniel Ponce de Leon, you're Carlos Martinez, you're Jack Flaherty, and you're watching this guy at the age of 39. It's amazing. With a ton of, hold on, a ton of mileage on his body. Don't give me that look. And he's and, and what is the message that you're sending him and to your team and to the rest of the guys on that staff? You're saying this is how you're supposed to do it. Go. Go get it. It's yours. And I also think that if you're Mike Schilt, you're saying this guy has given us everything he's given us over the years. Last start. Bullpen gave it up. Remember? Now you have the the chance to win him this game. He's earned that right. I'm sending him back out there. He's he's earned the right, absolutely. And I want to clarify here because I think it's a really important distinction. There is a difference between criticizing the performance by Adam Wainwright and criticizing the decision to send him back out there for the ninth. I am in no way critiquing the performance by Adam Wainwright yesterday. He was unbelievable. That was an amazing performance by him. It was an awesome pitching duel between two guys that were pitching at the highest of levels. And so full kudos to both of the guys that were involved in that for the decision that I am talking about here. I would not have sent him out there because of the circumstances, because of what was coming up at the top of the order, because of the way that Hoskins had hit him hard earlier in the game, because of what you had seen specifically in the seventh inning. The last time these guys came up against Hoskins him. is hitting everybody hard. Leads the league in extra base hits. He's an outstanding baseball player. So I would rather go out there with a guy in. I would have thrown Gallegos out there personally. I think he's your best. I would have sent him out for the ninth. I think that was a game that I would have liked to have won with Wayno pitching as well as he did, right? So if you can keep them to one run instead of two, which is what they ended up getting, you get to the bottom of the ninth, you might be playing for extras after that now, having seen what we saw. So I 
I disagreed with the decision. I understand what goes into it. It is bigger than any one game. I get that completely. And Wayno deserved the opportunity. If you're going down that path, I get it. But if we're talking about just one individual game, one individual inning, I would have gone to Gallegos over uh, Wayno in that spot. I never would have. Here's Mike Schilt. Uh, pitch maker, throw strikes, multiple pitches for four strikes. I mean, no walks, which allows him to go deep in a game. Um, a lot of early outs. You know, swings told the story, kept, you know, guys off balance pretty much all night. Cutter good, fastball good, signature breaking ball good, mixed in some change-ups. I mean, in control of everything he was doing all night. So it's um, easier to ride with a guy, very easy to ride with a guy with that kind of stuff and that kind of experience to go with it. Well, how about Adam Wainwright and the conversations of if or when he would be taken out of the game? Going to have some longer rest coming up. So I think they, you know, they're going to, use these opportunities with, with the old fellow out there to say the bullpen and give us a, a good chance to win the game. And I, I, they did not to me, there might've been discussion on the other side of the dugout, but not to me. I was, I knew, I knew if my spot came up, obviously I was going to get hit for, but we had our chance there in the ninth and they barely got it, man. Nolan almost got one. So it was close. Um, I, I'm, I'm leaving him in. He's, he's proven to me over year after year after year, he deserves that shot. If he feels like he's okay, then I'm going with it. I can understand what you're saying. I really do. I mean, I, I get where you're coming from, but I just want to send the message to everybody else. Hey, this guy, <laughs> all the mileage, everything that he's gone through, 10 strikeout performance last time where the bullpen didn't hold it. Now it's in his hands. I'm sending him back out there. I, I'd be fascinated to hear what Jack Flaherty has to say about watching that yesterday and about what Mike Maddox says and what the rest of the... I mean, if you're in that dugout, you're one of those young guys, you're going looking at each other like... Can you believe this guy? This is unbelievable. We need to be doing that. We got to go deeper into games. And he's showing us. He's leading the way. I, I give him that shot. He's earned it. I, I hear what you're saying. Um, for what it's worth, the last time around, Wayno came on the uh, morning show the day after, and he said, "I would rather, th- I wouldn't rather th- uh, hand things over to anybody other than Giovanni Gallegos. Yes, that's him being a good teammate. That's what he's going to say, but." That's who I would have turned it over to in the ninth inning yesterday. I think he's your best guy out of the bullpen. That's what I would have done. They didn't. And again, I want to make this very clear. I am not trying to take away anything from what Wayno did yesterday. And I think sometimes by me critiquing a decision, it gets misconstrued that way. Um, Wayno was awesome yesterday. And what we witnessed was amazing. And a 39-year-old dude, the oldest pitcher in the National League, being able to consistently do this again in 2021 after what we saw in 2020 it's amazing. Imagine where this team would be right now if they didn't bring back Wayno and Yachty. Those guys are going to be instrumental in what they are trying to accomplish this year. I just wouldn't have thrown him back out there for the ninth. He ended up giving up the big homer. I would have gone to my bullpen there. I think they would have been playing for extra innings if you did. It happens. Live to fight another day. So Wheeler, uh, did you have any problem with them taking him out there? Because I did. I'd, I'd let him finish that game. Uh, no, I would have taken him out there. No, I'd take him. I'd say, here you go. Our bullpen's been terrible. Go go for it. We're going to go with or without you. And if you're Joe Girardi after that, you can sit there and say, look, our bullpen hasn't been what we expected. This guy pitched a great game. Um, he was at 114 pitches. Come on. 114 pitches. 114. He's throwing 98 in the, in the ninth inning. Let him finish it. It's his to finish. I also wouldn't have thrown to Nolan Arenado there if I was the Phillies. I thought uh, about that. <laughs> I would have intentionally walked Nolan Arenado. You've got a guy that's clearly on one leg. I'm not really sure what's going on with Yachty. He he didn't look a hundred percent. I I would have 
I would not have pitched to Nolan Arenado. Well, that's the one that I questioned. I even questioned it during the broadcast. I I mean, you know, I don't know if I would intentionally walk him. It might have been one of those where I throw two outside the zone, see if he chases at all, which he probably doesn't. Then at that point, I put four up and I'm dealing with Yachty. That's probably where I would have gone. Yeah. Because I'm not... if Yachty beats me, I think I can live with it. If Nolan Arenado beats me, eh, I, I'm I'm not sleeping that night. And by the way, 65780 is the Air Comfort Service text line. I'm not surprised. I figured this would be the case. There's a lot of people that disagree with my assessment on this. That's totally fine. One thing that I do want to say out on the front end of this, it's not me hindsighting it. You can ask Tanner. I, I was saying in the moment, I disagreed with the decision then. That was before they scored any runs in the ninth inning. That was before anything happened in the ninth inning. I I disagreed with the decision as it was taking place. This is not hindsight. I can promise you that much. This is the Danny Mac Show with BK, the podcast powered by I Promise. So the Cardinals are moving to a six-man rotation. Oviedo scheduled to make his first start of the season tomorrow. Tanner is, uh, well, he's not happy because apparently it may rain tomorrow. It may rain, Tanner. Gosh, guys. I'm doing, like, everything I can to get this rain to go away. But yeah. when it says one to three inches, there's no rain dance to make that go away. You know, the field, though, can take, like, massive amounts of rain. So yeah, if you get a little window, you get in there. A little window, I can take that. But I, what did I tell you in the office? It's supposed to start at like 7 a.m. and rain till like 4 a.m. the next day. It's like 24 hours rain. Guys, I can't dance for 24 hours to get the rain to go away. But I think it's worth it. You should you, be doing it while you're at the ballpark. If you go down there and you get to hang around, you, you as much as you love to drink beer. Oh, good point. Baby. Seventh you know? inning, it takes longer to get there. That's what I'm saying. It's wide it open. it's delayed in the fifth. Guys, it's going to depend, too, how much Dad's willing to pay for there. <laughs> you go to Ballpark Village. Ooh, there's an idea. You know, you can hang out, wait for the rain to go away, and then they get a little window and you get the game in. Watch hey, out for hey, the trees hey. at Ballpark Village. Don't run into them. Uh, hey. <laughs> they move, I'm hey, telling you, man. You know what's not going to be rain delayed? The Blues game tomorrow. Six o'clock start. I can go down to Ballpark Village. Pre-game starts at five o'clock here at the Alex Ferrario. And guess what? I can go to Ballpark Village. Game gets postponed. I can have a couple beers and watch the Blues. That's a that's the positive way to think about this. All right, Oviedo scheduled to make the first start of the season tomorrow. Wayno, some interesting comments on the uh, six-man rotation. You started off with, "Am I looking forward to a six-man rotation?" I don't know how to answer that and be a good no. teammate. I don't know. I've never been a part of a six-man rotation. I, I'm I'm sure that there's you know great things for your arm and. I'm I'm excited to see Oviedo pitch. I can tell you that. I think he's super talented and and needs an opportunity up here. He's he's ready. You know he's. Uh, I, I'm excited for Ovi. Other than that, I don't know how to answer that question. Well, you got Wayno. This is the last time through the rotation, and this is the difference right now with the Cardinals and why they're in these games. Wayno nine innings last night. Flaherty seven innings. John Gant six innings. KK five and two thirds. Carlos Martinez who goes tonight. Last time out six innings, four hits, gave up a run, walk, and three strikeouts. So. Um, I understand why they're doing it coming off the truncated season. I'm not sure we'd see this if it wasn't truncated, but you're in the midst of 17 in a row, so you buy a day for everybody. And I'm looking forward to Oviedo tomorrow, too. It's been a long time since we've seen him pitch. Now he's thrown on the side, but take that with what you want. Um, It was just a week ago, what was it, last homestand on a Sunday that he cleaned up for Daniel Ponce de Leon and pitched well. 
be interested to see how deep he can go to a game, but I am looking forward to seeing it because I saw a different delivery, more compact and better pitching out of him his last time out. Yeah, the other thing is they've been going five days rest basically the entire season anyway, so there's not a whole lot of change scheduling-wise. This basically keeps them on the same schedule for this stretch of 17 games in 17 days. So as much as I hear, Wayno, like I... He he said last night he's an old school guy, and so I'm not surprised in the least bit that he would prefer to stick with a five-man rotation, and I think you can read between the lines there. That seems to be the case, um, but it, it doesn't change a whole lot for them based on what they've been doing throughout the start of this season. The Cardinals had a plan for this, and right now we're seeing them execute that plan. Tommy Edmond, by the way, is coming up at uh, 1030. We hope that he calls in. The Cardinals had just two hits last night, both singles. I want to go back to Wheeler for a moment. This is a max effort guy. He was hitting 90 in the ninth he was hitting 98 in the first he has a nasty slider down to the lefties righties too but it was a really effective pitch for him last night uh cardinals rely on the the home run an awful lot um right now the cardinals are one in seven when they don't hit a home run 10 and four when they do about i think it's something like 40 45 percent of their runs something like that coming the, the via the home run you know, last night, I don't care what lineup you threw out there. Zach Wheeler was going to shut you down. He was awesome last night. But it does beg the question, are they a little reliant on the home run? Maybe. But is everybody? Probably. It's just kind of the way baseball is done in 2021. But uh, I do like, though, the trend that I'm seeing, not only with the rotation, but with the lineup, too. Tommy Edmond at the top, Dylan Carlson second. You got Goldie, then Arenado. Those four have lengthened this lineup incredibly well. Incredibly well. Yeah, and I specifically talking about Tommy Edmond for a minute because he'll be joining us in a little less than 10 minutes. Yesterday, we were talking on BK and Ferrario about who the Cardinals MVP would be so far throughout the season. And I think you can make a strong case for Yadier Molina or Dylan Carlson. Those guys, I totally listened to the argument. And it's probably the right case, frankly. But I'm going I, Tommy Edmond. I think you can make a really good case for Tommy Edmond as well. Based on the position versatility that That's he's why. given you, second and right field, the defense that he's given you, especially at second base, and also, I know what the OPS is. It says 704. That's technically below league average. I don't give a damn, frankly. The guy is getting on base in every single game. Even the game where he didn't technically reach safely, he reached on an error. So he's been on base literally going into last night. Every single game so far this year, that holds value to me. If my leadoff hitter can get on base... That's the name of the game, man. I want him up there, especially when you've got guys like for the majority of the season, Goldie and Arenado coming up after him. I think you can make a strong case he's been the MVP for them so far this year because of that stat you just gave when they're one and seven when they don't hit a home run. He's the guy that's keeping you consistent offensively. Here's the interesting thing, BK. If you look at guys that play multiple spots and so you can look at innings and say, okay, the guys played 70 innings at second. And what is the what's the other position? A lot of times it's. Well, he's done something at first base or short or the it's the infield or a better example would be it's the outfielders that switch a corner spot. And that's how they split their time to go from second base to right field is unique in itself. And then to to split your time there. Now he's getting more run here at second base with the team getting healthier and, and to not commit an error. He hasn't committed an error in right. He's committed one error this year, and that was trying to turn a double play and, and just forced to throw a little bit too quickly. Uh, that is the value that you have. And so when O'Neill is out and Bader is out or Justin Williams is ineffective and he allows you to play the outfield, that's amazing. 
I mean, people don't understand that, man. To do that at the major league level and to play it efficiently and to play above average, which he's done, I think he's got seven or eight defensive gems. That is really good. And uh, it's not just staying in the outfield or staying in the infield. It's going from a premium up-the-middle position, second base, to what you would like to see is a very good arm in right field, which he's got a pretty good arm. I'm not saying it's Roberto Clemente out there, but <laughs> he does a good job. That is, that's impressive, man. And that's hard to do at this level. Not many guys can do that. And switch hitter, top of the lineup, yeah. a guy that can steal bases for you. He's really the only consistent uh, stolen base threat that you have on this roster right now so far this season. And the other thing that he did, Dan, at the first month of the season is he gave them the value of time. When the Cardinals didn't have outfielders that were healthy, he was able to fill in there. When they needed to find out, hey, what is Matt Carpenter going to be for us this year? They needed to find that out early in the season, so they knew he was able to move out to the outfield. When they needed to see what the young outfielders looked like, he was able to play second base and not just play it, play it at a potentially gold glove level for them. So I I think when you look at just the value added that he's given them this year, it's as high as any player on the roster. This is the Danny Mac Show with BK, the podcast powered by I Promise. To two home runs against the Cardinals in 2019, and he launches one into deep rights, and it's caught. Tommy Edmond up against the screen with the catch. The 2-2 hit down the right field line. Fair and gone. Home run, Tommy Edmond. His first of 2021. Off to a great start, and that is Cardinals, I don't know what we call him, second baseman, right fielder, extraordinaire, whatever. But he's off to a great start, the Cardinal leadoff man, and has been kind enough uh, to join us, Dan McLaughlin, with BK, Brandon Kiley. And, uh, hey, Tommy, great to hear your voice. How are things going? Thanks for doing this. Hey, what's going on, guys? Uh, it's going well. Um, just uh, getting in the swing of season again, and it's good to have a, a normal season again. So what should we call you? Are you, are you a second baseman or an outfielder? What do you, what do you think? Uh, you can call me whatever you'd like. <laughs> I, uh, obviously moving all over the field, and that's kind of something that I take pride in. Um, and it just gives me whatever opportunity I can to uh, contribute. How much outfield did you play in college? I mean, I was looking at minor league numbers, college numbers. I didn't see a lot of outfield. I could be mistaken, but how much have you played in the outfield? Um, and I didn't. I didn't play a single inning of outfield in college, actually. Yeah. Um, and in in the minors, I I think I started playing outfield maybe a week before I got called up. Um, so I think I probably got two or three games in there. And then, uh, my fourth career game pretty much ever was, I think at Dodger stadium, just threw me out in right field. And, um, and then it's haven't looked back since. What's been the biggest adjustment that you have to make in, in doing that? I mean, that's incredible to do that at this level, much less college or even the minor leagues, but to do it at major league baseball, what's, what's been the biggest adjustment you've had to make? Um, well, I think the most important thing isn't necessarily getting game reps, but just making sure you're going out there during BP, um, and, and just tracking fly balls during batting practice and getting used to the way that balls come off the bat. Um, so I, I had, I had taken a, a good amount of, of fly balls, um, even before that, before I had played any outfield in the game. So it, it was a little bit of an easier adjustment for me versus if I had never seen any fly balls coming off the bat at all, then it, it would have been much harder um, and for now, I'm, I'm, the most important thing for me is just to make sure I'm, I'm staying consistent with that and, and, 
even if I'm playing a long stretch of games in the infield, making sure I'm still going out to the outfield every now and then just seeing balls off of that. Tommy, I would imagine having Willie McGee as a resource has to be helpful for you. What are some of the things that have stuck with you that you've learned from Willie so far? Um, one of the things, one of the most important things that uh, Willie's taught me is is to, uh, I mean, it's it's kind of obvious, but is to just not panic out there, um, especially on the balls that are hit right at you. Just be able to uh, read it off the bat and not make any like panic steps in any one direction. Um, especially on the ones that uh, their line drives at you. If you see it low off the bat, instead of just charging in right away, just kind of read it for a second and then, and then be able to make the read. So I think having a guy like that is, um, is extremely important. Obviously a guy who is an elite outfield defender that can kind of bounce ideas off of and um, has a good idea about uh, just reading swings and positioning of guys. Um, it's been extremely helpful and very fortunate to have him on our coaching staff. Tommy Edmond, the Cardinals' second baseman and outfielder, is our guest. Last night, Adam Wainwright, his fifth uh, complete game of his career. When you guys are watching him do what he's doing, he's the oldest player right now in the National League, and he had uh, 10 strikeouts, seven innings the game before. Last night, complete game. What is that like? What's the message it sends to you and your teammates? Yeah, I mean, Wayne is incredible. He's a one-of-a-kind. And that that performance yesterday was absolutely unbelievable. Yeah. Really unfortunate that we weren't able to get him that win, but um, just what he's done the past couple of years um, kind of had that rejuvenation, and and he's just been an absolute rock in our rotation. You know, every time he goes out there, he's gonna he's gonna give you some great innings and um, give us a chance to win the ball game every single time he pitches. So um, it's unbelievable to have a guy like that, um, and not only on the field but in the clubhouse as well. Tommy, you guys had a couple of huge defensive plays last night behind him as well. Do you feel like that the team, now that you're starting to get healthy again, can be one of the better defensive teams in baseball this year? Yeah, absolutely. I think that was the expectation going into the year was that we would not only be one of the best, but the best uh, defensive team in baseball. And um, I think that we had a a few hiccups early on in the year, but um, it kind of seems like we're rounding into form and hopefully we can – have that that best uh that, that those best defensive numbers for the remainder of the year now you're a very bright guy you're well educated you 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 follow the game you've been following the game forever um and when you watch and i'm curious about this because last year you worked out during the shutdown with paul DeYoung and colton wong and i know you you've talked about how beneficial that was now you add nolan arenado what what is it like when you watch nolan arenado prepare and being on the same field, the same infield defensively, specifically watching him. Yeah, uh, his his preparation is top notch. I mean, he has he has his routine that he does every day, and um, even though he's won so many Gold Gloves and Platinum Gloves, he he still is working uh, harder, just as hard or harder than anybody at at his craft. And um, he's always the one thing that that stands out to me is he's always working on his throws, which is something you don't see a lot of guys doing now. Um, guys are kind of preserving their arms for the game and saving it for the course of the whole season, but he's just always working on his throws, and, and that's the reason why he's able to make some of those incredible plays that he does. Tommy, when I watch uh, Nolan Arnato, the thing that has stood out to me the most so far this year is just his competitive fire. I mean, you even saw it last night when the ball doesn't quite get there, gets just to the warning track, and he's slamming his helmet to the ground. Do you have a moment, whether it be in spring training or behind the scenes, doing whatever, uh, where you saw that come through in a way that really stood out to you, his competitive fire? Um, I mean, I was just on the top of my head, nothing really – stands out aside from last night and I mean that was 
I, I thought off the bat, I thought, I thought he was going to get that out. Um, it was just, he hit to the wrong part of the ballpark. I mean, it's so tough to get out to Bush and uh, from left center to right center. If it had just been pulled a little bit more then I think he would have had it. But yeah, I mean, that's, that's something that we love as a team is just seeing, seeing how, uh, how into the game, how competitive, um, how fiery he is. Um, it really brings that energy to the team. And, and we really, really appreciate having that, having a guy that cares that much on our team. We used to call the, uh... Jose Okendo, the secret weapon, uh, because he would play all these different spots. So have you talked to, to Jose about, you know, just going from third to second to short to right field? You could play left field. You're the backup center fielder. I'm sure you could catch if need be. Have you guys had those conversations on on being that kind of player and what it takes and bringing all the different gloves to the ballpark? Um, you know, we haven't really specifically talked about moving all around the field. Um, with, with Okendo, it's, it's mainly been, um, talking about infield kind of stuff. And, but we've had some great conversations about a bunch of situational things about, um, thinking ahead about where the runners are, where you'll be making throws, what, what types of thing you'll be thinking based on the runners on the bases. Um, so having that resource available him and I mean, him and Willie and other guys who, who are around the team a lot. Um, who have that big league experience is is crucial to um, kind of our development and just thinking through the game. And it's the reason why the Cardinals kind of have that history of always being um, the best fundamental team in baseball. Tommy Edmond is our guest here on 101 ESPN. Tommy, I did want to ask you about what it's been like this year for you guys because – uh, you, you got to the threshold that Major League Baseball set out with the 85% of the players getting the vaccine, and now they are. you've at least gotten to the beginning of the relaxed protocols for your team. What is this like now as you kind of start getting into actually being able to do things as a team again? What's that going to be like for the first time for you guys, I guess, in about 18 months now? Yeah, I mean... It- we've already kind of started to see uh, some of the benefits of that. Uh, we've been able to um, hang out a little bit more on the, on the planes and buses and, and go out to eat outside. So just in that aspect, it's already been much, much better than last year. And I think it, it has definitely helped our um, kind of our team bonding, I guess last year just felt like a weird year where we would see each other at the field for a couple hours, go home and then not see each other again. Whereas, Whereas now um, on the road, you're able to hang out on the planes, you're able to go out to eat. Um, and I think just having, having that, uh, those times are, are really important for, for helping the team kind of develop and um, just, just have more fun together, you know? So I think that as those restrictions start to open up even more, then it'll just be more and more like a normal season again. Hey, Tommy, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but your brother, and it's an older brother, I believe, John, he works yeah. for the Minnesota Twins in their uh, research and development department. Is that correct? Yeah, that's right. He does some analytics over there. And then your sister is now working for the Cardinals. Is that correct, Elise? Yep, that's also right. Yeah. So <laughs> you guys are analytically based. Um, how much do you follow the analytics and dive into that in terms of, of what you do with your career? Uh, I, I don't really look too much into that aside from, um, what our, uh, what our hitting staff kind of supplies us. Um, so it, they give us the resources about all the, um, I don't know if you know, like all the expected stats, like expect, like, you know, when you, you get it super unlucky and, um, you have a hit, that's a, it would have been a base hit maybe 90% of the time, but it turns out to be a line out. Um, so we have, we have access to, uh, resources for, what your expected batting average might be expected on base slugging, uh, as opposed to what your actual slugging might be. 
Um, and there's a few other a few other things I would kind of take a little bit more detail to go in depth in, into. But um, aside from what the hitting staff does, I don't do too much other stuff on my own. So your your dad was a college player, I believe, too. I remember talking to you about this. I can't. It, it was a school up east, I believe. Correct. Yes, it was uh, Williams College uh, yeah. in, uh, in Massachusetts. Yeah, so your family has been involved in the game of baseball. You continue to do that. So baseball is a, a family thing for the uh, the Edmonds, is it not? Yeah, it, it definitely is. And I think my mom's actually probably the biggest fan of baseball honestly, <laughs> out, of, out of everybody. That's so great. It, it definitely runs in in the whole uh, in the whole family for sure. And and my wife was actually a softball player as well, so she she's got some experience as well. That's incredible. Now you are you, you went to Stanford, so obviously you're you're well educated. If Tommy Edmond wasn't playing baseball, what would Tommy Edmond be doing? Oh, that is a great question. Um I think I think there's a very good chance you could see me doing uh something very similar to what my brother and sister are doing. <laughs> Probably still working in baseball somehow. And what would you want to uh pursue? Like would you go the the coaching path or would you prefer to be in the front office side of things? You know, I, I'm not totally sure about that. So my dad's a coach, my brother and sister are on the analytics side. Um, and I actually, I think that there's way more, um, way more opportunities now that are kind of act for, for guys that kind of act as the liaison between the two. Um, and I think that's something that, that would be very interesting. I think it's something that you see a lot of players now who are kind of more analytically oriented. Um, I think you see guys entering those kinds of roles. So that could be an opportunity. Hey, Tommy, who's been most influential for you and like really helping you with the big league style of life and the fact that you're going to be a second baseman and a leadoff guy? Oh, you might play right field. Who are some of the players that have kind of pulled you aside and really kind of put their arm around you and and helped you get to this point of being an everyday major leaguer? Uh, Well, you know, one of the guys I've kind of talked to a lot about that is Carp um, because he was, when he got called up too, I don't know if you guys remember, but he was moving all around the field kind of exactly like I was. He said that one of the first first times he played outfield was in the majors just like myself and was kind of moving all over second, third, first. Um, so I've, I've talked to him a lot about uh, moving around the field early in his career and, and kind of getting – I guess he never really got settled into one specific spot more for more than like a year. Um, so he's one guy that, that's really helped me out a lot with uh, – with my role early on in my career. Tommy, one of the things that we've spent a little bit of time here talking about is the the analytics, but one thing that you've done this season that's been super impressive is the lack of the strikeout rate. I mean, you've really decreased on the strikeouts so far this year, which is kind of going, uh, it's the antithesis of what we've seen around baseball. Was that a focus for you in the off season? What went into this uh, improvement that we've seen so far this year in, in your strikeout rate? I'm I'm not I'm not necessarily trying to not strike out. I think if I if I were trying to not strike out then that would uh result in a lot more uh like weak contact and, and not as many walks kinda of just putting the ball in play earlier. But I think that my my two strike approach has gotten a lot better. I think I've done a, a better job of uh fouling off pitches and kinda of just putting together a tough at bat even when I'm down in the count. Um and, and part of that is just kinda of like swing mechanical stuff. Um which basically not moving my head as much in in the in the prep to make allow me to see pitches better. So I, I think it's just a, a combination of of the approach and just being able to see pitches better. Hey Tommy, it's a pleasure to watch you play. It's been a lot of fun, and uh, it's always fun to see what 
you know, where are you going to be in the lineup? I don't know if it's fun for you, but it's fun yeah. for us. We get to see it, and you're doing it at a high level. So congratulations on your start, and uh, and thanks for joining us today. Yeah, of course. Thanks for having me on, guys. You got it. That's uh, Tommy Edmond. Interesting interview there. He's so well-spoken, bright guy, obviously. And, and to your point, BK, I'm glad you asked him that question because I've really noticed him cutting down on those strikeouts. Yeah. And he's he's going to be a guy that probably doesn't walk a ton, and you'd, you'd like that out of a leadoff hitter, but he's putting the ball in play. He's getting on base. He is really, your, right now, your only stolen base threat, and he can play anywhere on the field. So he's a valuable guy. You know who he in some ways reminds me of, Dan? And I'm not doing this just because he's from Kansas City, but it's it's similar in terms of a little bit more of a late bloomer and a guy that comes up and immediately hit the ground running is Whit Merrifield. He can play all over the diamond. He is also kind of like Tommy Edmond, a second base slash corner outfield type of a player. And he came up with Kansas City and people were like, I don't know. Is this is this real? Or is he going to end up kind of becoming a pumpkin in a second year? And the answer was no. He ended right. up being a really good player and he has been ever since then. Tommy Edmond, if you look at the profiles, is pretty similar. Not a whole lot of strikeouts. Like you said, not a, a huge walk guy. Makes a ton of contact. And can do it from basically anywhere, probably profiles later on to be a a real leadoff guy with some speed on the bases. If you're looking for a comp for what Tommy Edmond could be, we mentioned Ben Zobris the other day. Maybe a more modern one would be kind of a Whit Merrifield type of a player. You know what shocked me was the lack of innings that he played in the outfield. I didn't realize it was so few innings. Crazy. Yeah. To be this good, because he was pretty good out there when he got the opportunity so far this year to be that good that quick and learning on the job is wild and the fact that they have said he's our backup center fielder so that (laughs) gives you an idea that they see that he's getting good jumps getting good reads to the point that they feel comfortable enough that he could be the backup center fielder and yet he didn't play in college and barely played in the minor leagues to do that at this level the speed of the game that's impressive by the way, he is the sixth lowest strikeout rate so far this season among all qualified hitters in Major League Baseball. Sixth lowest. It's great. It's great. You, that is the perfect. He is everything you want your leadoff hitter to be in modern baseball. This is the Danny Mac Show with BK, the podcast powered by I Promise. So, BK, you're telling me next Monday is Jacob DeGrande at Bush Stadium. That's what the current schedule lays out as. Um, He would get the first game in that Cardinals series. Mm. So as of now, that's the way things are set up. Uh, I need to look here at this text. Uh, Let's see. Dan and BK, have you checked the Cardinals schedule? Not only do they have 17 days in a row. In June, they have an 8-10 central time in L.A., uh, blah, 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 blah. Then the next a 710 start time in St. Louis. So if they get out of LA, 1 a.m., they'll land in St. Louis, 630 with a game that night. We Who thought this was a good idea? Yeah, that's that's baseball 101. That, that happens all the time. Yeah. I remember a lot of times we would. Now, baseball's trying to do a better job of if you're going two time zones, not doing that to you. This is two time zones of not playing a day game the next day. But playing a night game, yeah, hang with them. That's the way it works. Yeah, this is the sport, right? This is why they say it's a grind of 162, and it sucks. You'd rather not be on a plane until, whatever, 3, 4 a.m. local time and then have to go right back out there that night at 6 o'clock. Yeah, that would be the preference, but 
This is the big leagues, and that's what you got to do. Yeah, a lot of times, I mean, with the Cubs, a lot of times, because they're playing day games on Friday afternoons, those are problematic for them. You know, they get in at night, uh, a Thursday night, and there's no getaway day. Some teams don't do – I mean, there's been a lot of teams that historically just did not play day games as getaway days, which I think should be mandated in baseball. I mean, if you're trying to keep these guys healthy and fresh as much as you can, play day games so you get in at a reasonable hour. And day games are awesome. I love day games. And fans fans seem to enjoy them. Now, they'll say your ratings for those games, not as good. Maybe you're, especially if you're in April or September, kids are back in school. So I can see that point too. But again, if we're worried about the health and safety of players, mandated I, I i'd be curious in the next cba if they do that if they mandate unless you're playing like the espn sunday night game the premier game of the week that you gotta have a day game and i think what we're seeing from players is that they are prioritizing some of the scheduling stuff yeah like that's for something sure. that they sincerely care about when they go into these negotiations and so if that is something that get, that gets brought up by and i would be surprised if it doesn't i would think they would fight for that yeah i think that's one thing uh let's see reduced free agency until you hit free agency reduced years compensation oh, yeah. picks uh all that stuff is coming all right you've got your show with alex the blues win last night so we'll be lollipops and and kissing babies this would be good yeah uh so alex i he said that we have an open I don't know what it includes. It's about the blues. And he told me not to listen to it beforehand. So I would assume it's not great for me, considering I was basically out on the blues recently. Uh, So we'll open up with that. And then we'll get into an unbelievable pitching performance by Adam Wainwright last night that went the full complete game. We got to celebrate when Adam Wainwright goes a complete game, Dan. So we'll do that coming up as well. You're taking shots at me. (laughs) No, in all seriousness, we are actually doing that. We'll also talk about why he shouldn't have been in there in the ninth. (laughs) 101 ESPN congratulates the home loan expert Ryan Kelly on the launch of a nonprofit Keep Climbing Foundation and his Climb for Kids Radio Telethon. I'll be heading over there tomorrow to join Ryan, help with the fundraising efforts. Come on out and see us as well. Please consider supporting the Climb for the Kids and uh, help Keep Climbing Foundation provide uh, support and awareness for a variety of great causes. Ryan does a ton in our community. So let's get behind Ryan Kelly and support this. Get all the details on the Climb for Kids and how you can support right now at 101ESPN.com. Uh, what I'm hoping for tonight, what I'm hoping for, <laughs> Carlos, complete game by Carlos, Carlos Martinez <laughs> is in the eighth and there's a debate whether to go in the ninth and they send him out there for the ninth and we can have a nice show tomorrow. Can I make a prediction? Yes. If it's even, if it's even close one way or the other, he's out. <laughs> I would be very surprised if he's out there for the ninth. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm actually with you on that one. Just not on the Wayno one. I like the move last night. That's fair. But that's baseball. That's the fun of it. That's Absolutely. the debate of it. So uh, good show. This is fun. Tommy Edmond, thanks. Tanner, great job. And we'll talk to everybody tomorrow at 10. You've been listening to The Danny Mac Show with BK, the podcast powered by I Promise. Peloton, let's go. This holiday, with the right music and the right motivation from world-class instructors, We're going to pick it up a notch. It's the holiday season. You might just surprise yourself with what you're capable of. Work out to thousands of live and on-demand classes, from running to cycling to yoga. Try Peloton risk-free with a 30-day home trial. New members only, not available in remote locations. See additional terms at onepeloton.com slash home dash trial. Peloton, motivation that moves you.